passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Lutz from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome in, Saints fans. We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller, Jeff Nowak, back from a day of training camp. We actually have a day off tomorrow. And I know you are just as excited about that as I am. Yes, I'm, I, I'm tired. It's just a long training camp is so much more grueling than the season from a coverage perspective. And I know people don't really care and, and we don't need to complain about about watching football all day. But I'm I am tired. So if I fall asleep in the middle of this podcast, just live with it. But that will not be the most engaging version of this show. But yes, so we're going to get into the, the latest from Saints camp. We have some visits from some veterans. We have some injuries that we can kind of dive into. Going to get ready for the start of the preseason, which is now less than a week away. The Saints are going to host the Chiefs on Sunday. We haven't yet gotten to talk about Alvin Kamara's suspension on the pod, so we're going to dive into that, dive into kind of some expectations of, you know, I I think that there's a very specific route that the Saints need to make sure they take care of business on. So let's get into that. Talk about John Trey Kirkland. We'll also talk about some, some position battles. We have an exclusive interview with Smoke Monday that uh, I'm going to play for y'all. And then we're going to talk about Jordan Howden, how that's all stacking up behind Marcus May, Aaron Matthew. And then we're going to close out with by updating some of the position battles that we previewed going in. We're now 
entering the third week. So we're starting to get a decent picture prior to any preseason games, right? Like, so we're going to get a lot of answers there. But right now, we can just kind of set up what we're seeing with like the defensive ends, the the cornerbacks, the specialists, all of that. But first things first, we had a another season-ending injury over the weekend. You know, Benjamin went down non-contact injury. You know, we were, he was standing about 15 feet away from us. It looked like he was shot by a sniper, went down, ruptured Achilles. He's done for the year. He's on IR. The Saints went and signed John Trey Kirkland, former LSU wide receiver. And I had some people ask me, like, well, why did they do that? Is it because they're worried about wide receiver injuries? I'm like, no, he is very much going to be a special teams guy. But it is also just very cool. You know, he's a guy from Lutcher, who's the same high school as Jarvis Landry. He said that he spent his whole first day like in tears because he was so happy to be with the Saints. Spent last year on the Houston Roughnecks. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. All I know is he's highly motivated, right? (laughs) And if anyone's out there just phoning it in, he's going to make them look bad because he wants to be here and he wants to stick around. Uh, And so, yeah, I think you're going to see him really kind of be incorporated into special teams drills. It's a good time to be a depth wide receiver on this roster because there's two wide receivers who haven't been out there in Traquan Smith and Rashid Shahid dealing with groin injuries. So, I, I mean, it's, it's cool. Anytime they bring in an LSU guy, I get excited just because it's fun, you know, and, and they never used to do that. Now they do, and I'm okay with it. And I know you've we've talked a little bit about it. You're not really worried about injuries right now, but there are some pretty significant names that are on the list, like a Rashid Shahid and Demario Davis, and I guess Andrews Pete, but like we talked about before too you kind of expect him to be on that list (laughs) see i'm it's it's not that i'm not worried about injuries it's that i am not going to overreact to injuries at least the volume of them at this point in the season i went and looked this up yesterday just because i was curious the saints have three season ending injuries already it's a lot but it's not out of track with the rest of the nfl there were 17 teams in the nfl that have already put multiple players on injured reserve the Saints have put on three. I think there was five other teams that had three. The Falcons actually lead that list with five. And I think the Browns and the Giants each had four. That, that was as of yesterday. I don't know. It could have been, it could have increased as of today. But the Saints are not alone in the in this injury thing. It's it happens every year. Your goal at this point isn't to avoid injuries at all costs, because they're gonna happen. You're playing football. The goal is to avoid allowing minor injuries to become major injuries. And we saw Eno Benjamin miss all of OTAs, all of minicamp. We don't know why, but I don't think it's a coincidence that he was dealing with something all offseason and then suddenly his Achilles just explodes on him, right? Like, that's something that can happen. And so you're just trying to make sure stuff like that, season-altering stuff doesn't happen. And so the the injuries that you're concerned about right now, and yes, Traquan and Rashid both missed a day of practice. I think... When you're looking at this, they have a day off on Tuesday. And so if guys are not back on the other end of that day off, then I think you start to be like, man, even with a day off, they weren't able to kind of get back on the field. So guys like Demario Davis has missed a couple practices with a calf injury. Traquan Smith and Rashid Shahid left early on Sunday. They were not out there on Monday. Um, There were a few guys who just keep getting days off. Jimmy Graham got another veteran day off. JT Gray got a veteran day off today. It was also Marshawn Lattimore's first rest day. He's earned uh, that rest for sure. He's, he's had a great camp. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no one's worried about that. <laughs> Coda Martin dealing with an ankle injury. He was not out there. And uh, Lucas Krull, who went down hard. Yeah, indoors. we saw that one. 
on Sunday is dealing with a tailbone injury. I and mean, anyone who's had, who's had a tailbone injury, you basically just feel like you can't move. You know, it just like kind of freezes your entire lower back area. Anyway, so like, and, and like I said, I'm not necessarily downplaying the injury part of it. I'm just saying at this point in camp, it would be foolish, especially with a veteran player like Demario Davis, to say, oh, your calf isn't 100%. We're going to send you out there anyway. Figure it out. Gut through it. No, you're not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? So like in, in that sense, I just think you got to pump the brakes and understand that this is a long season. It's a long training camp process. There's plenty of time. But I think what you see here is the Saints are bringing in players to potentially, um, you know, help with that depth. And uh, we teased this a little bit. The Saints are bringing running back Kareem Hunt and linebacker Anthony Barr for workouts. And, you know, especially the Anthony Barr one, you start to wonder, okay, do they expect to be without Demario Davis for, ex- for an extended period of time? I think John Trey Kirkland is a guy you brought in to help mitigate the loss of Andrew Dowell on special teams. Agreed. I don't think that Anthony Barr is here to because you lost Andrew Dowell. So I think if they end up signing him and we don't and you don't see Demario Davis on Wednesday, you have to start to wonder if that injury is is something more significant. Yeah, when you see the the groin and the calf injuries, those are a little you know more concerning because they can be lingering. Luckily, uh, Brian Brise also had a calf issue, but that didn't hold him out of practice. You know, Brise. What did I say, Brise? Brise. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> no, we it's like time. we got to get like a a fine jar definitely for that one. <laughs> yeah, no, there there are a good number of injuries that have come and gone. Like Brzee's back out there. We've seen a few guys have some minor injuries and get back out there. Throckmorton right. has gotten back out after. I'm just I've just decided to start calling him Throckmorton because like it feels like it's his first and last name is Throckmorton. He had an elbow injury. He's back. So we're gonna keep going. Trevor Penning has gotten a couple rest days. Um, and uh, and he dealt with a minor foot issue, but he was out there today. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. It's it's not something I'm super concerned with. The the Kareem Hunt workout is interesting to me because it must to me it indicates that Kareem Hunt doesn't really have a market. Because if you're Kareem Hunt and you're thinking like I I can still contribute and be a big factor for an NFL team, right? You, you would be going to a team where even without Alvin, and we haven't talked about this yet, but obviously Alvin suspended for three games, so he'd have a probably a significant role for three games. But even then, you're talking about like, isn't he? Is he backing up Jamal Williams? Like, they're not going to sign him off the street and say you're the RB two now. So you would be signing to be a backup to the backup. Yeah. And then you're competing with a with a rookie who I think has looked really good in Kendra Miller. And it's like, why would Kareem do that unless he has no market? Which maybe he does. Maybe they'll be able to bring him in at the on a minimum contract and get a quality veteran in the room, but. I don't know what they're going to guarantee him uh, in terms of a role that would be any, like if he didn't like it in Cleveland where he was a like the premium backup to to Nick Chubb. I mean, you are, this is a, this is way far beyond that, right? Like once Kamara and Williams are back, I don't know if you'd be able to get him on the field. So that's a strange one to me because you know, you're, if you're trying to replace Eno Benjamin, right. He wasn't probably going to make the roster. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a weird one. We'll have to see how that plays out. No, like you mentioned, John Trey Kirkland, he's not replacing Andrew Dowell on, you know, kind of thing. But the signing you would think of Hunt, if they that that happens, 
would correlate, obviously, with losing someone like Eno Benjamin. And yet, why is there no market for Hunt and the fact that he'd be willing to be RB4 on the Saints right now? Yeah, it, it, it's, it reminds you of the Adrian Peterson signing if they ended up making, right? The last time the Saints drafted a running back in the third <laughs> round and everyone was super excited about Adrian Peterson, right? Yeah. And then you saw Alvin in the preseason and you saw him in week one against the Vikings and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't think Adrian's the guy. And he was gone by like week three. I think they ended up trading him actually. I think they, they traded did. him to the Cardinals for like Correct. nothing. He got great, um, great memory. Yeah, I don't know what they traded him for. Maybe like a late pick. Uh, right, but no, totally. Either way, like he was out of town very quickly because you didn't need him. And I, I don't know, it feels like you're kind of doing the same thing if you bring in Kareem. But, I mean, I wouldn't complain about it. Depth is great, you know, and, and you would have – I already think the Saints have one of the better running back rooms in the in the league but from top to bottom, you know, and uh, that would only increase that. So – you know, if, he, if he's willing to take a small role to just be part of that room, then great. But if he's going to be a malcontent and complain about not getting his opportunities, then that becomes a tough equation for me. I had to look just to, you know, check out his age. He hasn't hit that dreaded 29-year-old no, he's 27. mark yet. Yeah, he's 28. He turned August 6th. He just turned 28. He just turned 28. Yeah, Right, okay. exactly. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's been very productive. He's a good pass-catching running back. He ran for 1,300 yards as a rookie. He hasn't really gotten an opportunity since then to be that guy, right? Like, he's he hasn't really been in a situation where he's just able to get 20, 25 carries or 20, 25 touches. Like, when Nick Chubb has been healthy, Nick Chubb has been hurt at points, and he has gotten a longer run for the Browns, and he's played well. And all this kind of comes back to Alvin Kamara is suspended for three games. It's going to be the home opener against the Titans, then the Monday Night Football matchup in Carolina against the Panthers, and then week three at the Packers up in Green Bay. His first game back will be week four when the Saints host the Bucks. And, you know, I've been, I've been kind of looking at this and, and trying to figure out, okay, what's a reasonable expectation? What does the, do the Saints have to do to come out of this, get it and enter week four feeling like, okay, we have survived the three game absence of Alvin Kamara. And what, what would you, what would you want to see uh, out of that three game stretch? Even w- with or without Alvin to me, two and one would be ideal. Obviously. Um, I just think what's really weird is the toughest matchup and scariest one is your home game against Tennessee, just because I think they have more, uh, talent around, uh, you know, on offense and defense all around kind of thing. But the other two are on the road, and you never discount that. Uh, definitely at Green Bay. Luckily, it's not late in the season, but uh, th- that's a, a tough venue. And, man, Carolina, I always call them the pesky Panthers. They always are a problem for this team. And it's a division opponent. Yeah. The way, the way I look at it is I, I would honestly, you know, obviously you want to be 3-0. and Right. You, you'd also love to be 2-1. and and be able to say, yeah, we're, we, we're, we're afloat without Alvin, and we made it. To me, the bare minimum that, that I have to see is I think they, they really need to go up to Carolina and win that game week two. If you're playing Andy Dalton, you're playing primetime Andy, and we all know that Andy Dalton cannot win a primetime game to save his life. I mean, I think he's lost something like 17 in a row. So <laughs> you feel good about that? Or you were getting Bryce Young in his first or second career start 
and you cannot lose to that guy, right? The second matchup, if, if Bryce ends up starting week one, by the time you get to the second matchup, sure. You know, I'm I'm not discounting the idea of like a rookie being up to speed by that point. In week two, you should be able to fool a rookie, right? You should be able to stick it to a rookie. And uh, so to me, if you come out of that three-game stretch at one and two, but you are one and one in the NFC and you are one and zero oh in the NFC South, to me, that's fine. I really, and if, and if you go come out of that at two and one and you're two and zero oh in the NFC and one and zero oh in the NFC South, then that's fantastic. I honestly don't care about the season opener so much. Obviously, you want to win it, but it's an AFC opponent. Uh, I mean, like if, if you lose that game, I, I know everyone's going to freak out. But oh, yeah. I'm not losing sleep over it because, you know, you're going to lose games. And if that's the one you lose, you know, that that's the best case scenario in terms of if you went two and one, the, the games you would want to win are Packers and Panthers. And also keep in mind, we talk about Bryce Young in his first second career start or first career start. You're also getting Jordan Love in what is third career start. Like you should be able to take advantage of that, too. So the Saints have favorable quarterback matchups in two of those three games. And even without Alvin, I'd like to see them run the ball effectively and, and, and win those games. So that's kind of where I look at. I, I don't think that, you know, you, you're going to be in that bad of shape. Um, you just can't go 0-3. A, a wild, I don't know about wild, but a stat uh, when Alvin Kamara is out, he's missed 10 regular season games. The Saints have gone 3-7 and seven in those games. So the, not the greatest track record of the team dealing without Alvin. No, but I mean, he's also averaged three games missed each of the last two seasons. I think it was four in 2021 and two last year. So it kind of it evens out. But yeah. so, I mean, you're, that's 14 games. If you have him for 14 games, that's a reasonable number. Like that's what you would probably expect going into a year. How many games can you actually expect out of a running back? 14 is a winning number. <laughs> you know, it means you didn't have any super significant injuries. Um, and, I, you know, I, you look at it and you're like, okay, week four, through week 10 you should get full speed alvin then you have a week off you get seven games and a bye and then seven more games and so cons- considering to what we all thought we were f- the team would be facing that yeah we all, we all right. thought six games was coming and then we got half of that to deal with and i think everybody from fans to the team to alvin is really pretty happy and there's not going to be appeal on that at all for sure no no no, no, no. <laughs> it's it's happening oh um, right exactly and- you know, we, we talked to Alvin. He's very contrite. You know, he's very apologetic. We don't need to get into too much of it because it was last Friday, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point. But yeah, and but one thing I did ask Alvin, and one thing that has stood out to me, and we can get into this before we go to break, is Alvin the last two years, to me, has been very de-emphasized in the passing game. He has caught a decent number of passes, but he's not. He, it hasn't been the downfield pass. You haven't seen him break out on wheel routes. You haven't seen him stress the defense up the seam and that's a problem he hasn't gone over 500 passing receiving yards either of the last two seasons he averaged something like 700 yards in his first four seasons the first three he had exactly 81 catches all three times which is that's wild right wild in itself because i don't think they were trying i think it just happened which is crazy maybe i bet the third time they were trying they were just like yeah okay let's get you that one more so you have 81 again yeah, I mean, what, what, like the second time they were like, "Wow, that's crazy! I can't believe that happened." And the third time, it's like, "You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're trying." But you know, so we've seen him break out on a few wheel routes. 
you know, at the expense of Zach Bond, I keep making a joke every time because if Derek Carr sees Zach Bond in coverage on a running back or a fast guy, he's going at him every single time. And you know what? I expect other teams to do the same thing. But we've seen Alvin match up with him on wheel routes and just, you know, they've looked good. And so I asked Alvin uh, about that, and this is what he said. This is how you connect with Derek on a deep wheel route today. I think we've seen that at least a few times this offseason. Mm-hmm. The downfield passing game with you seems like it might have been de-emphasized a little bit the last yeah. season. Is that something you expect to get back to? Yeah, that's what, and I think Derek wants to more than anything. I mean, obviously, I know what um, – what can happen when when we got that going? So, I mean, I'm I'm like, I'm like just happy, 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 like jumping for joy. You know, when we can kind of when I see those play calls in, or when we when we get things like that going, and you know, Derek is excited. Also, you know, I think the offense is excited from JT to to RC to um, to Pete. You know, all these guys, and then you know, DA stand back there and he just give his little nod of approval, and we keep it moving. So, JT, running backs coach Joel Thomas. RC, quarterbacks coach, Ronald Curry. And then Pete is obviously offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, <laughs> in case you you didn't keep up with all the initials. But no, I mean, like, I think that's, you know, in a lot of instances, you'll ask a guy a question and you'll get kind of the the the, the uh, cliche back to you. Yeah, we're going to do whatever works. So we're going to do whatever it takes to win. He's pretty honest right there. Where he's just like, yeah, we're going to do that this year. And I'm excited about it because he also wants to be involved in the passing game. And I think with a guy like Jamal Williams, who can take a lot of the load, I think part of the reason you didn't involve Alvin so much is because last year you don't really, I mean, Mark was there, uh, but he wasn't a guy you could lean on. And so you needed Alvin in those kind of grinding situations. And obviously you did have Taysom as well, but this year, I think knowing that you have Jamal who can take some of that burden that you can use Alvin and and keep his pitch count at a reasonable number while also including him in the pass game. And you also have a quarterback who wants to take advantage of it. So, which is interesting too, because Josh Jacobs was never a receiving back. So I think we'll, we'll see that again in the Saints offense and I'm excited about it. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, Alvin Kamara was, you know, that multidimensional back that, you know, like you said, the receiving yardage wasn't there the past two seasons. I wonder how coincidental that is when you don't have a guy like Drew Brees around. We'll see if the the Saints can get back to that now with with Derek Carr at the helm uh, because it just wasn't working before that. I, I, I thought last year, too, obviously, the issues with the offensive line, which, shoot, we, we could say that going into this year, too, as well. But uh, re- really excited just for everything around Alvin and his offense this year because of that case now being behind them, too. We talked about you know, the, a weight being off you. I understand that totally. And, uh, yeah, he's looking for a little retribution, which is good because we we keep talking about folks on this team with a chip on their shoulder. And I think Alvin's one of those guys too. Yeah, I think if you asked him last year that that he would have said, no, it was not fa- a factor. And Absolutely DA right. would have probably been like, oh, listen, whatever he said. But now that it's over, you're getting honest answers. And, yes, it did affect him. I mean, I don't know. Again, I've said this before. I don't know if it affected him on the field in his play. I think he was playing well. But, you know, I think in every aspect of your life, something like that can, can, can hit you and, and affect you. You know, it's weird because I thought when they went from Jameis to Andy, we would see more Camara. We would see more receiving Camara. But you really didn't. Andy didn't take advantage of him in the passing game either. And I think that was one of his biggest flaws. No screens, no no just checkdowns. I mean, he caught 57 passes. I don't remember them. 
You know, like I think a lot of them were just dump offs that were not well designed. You know, he had a he had one long catch against the Raiders and that touchdown. Uh, he had a couple touchdowns in that game. But yeah, so that's that to me that there's a lot of ways this offense can get better. And one of the things we didn't talk about was the two minute drill today. Derek Carr looks fantastic. He went six for six, got him down the field, set up a field goal. It was a it was a end of first half scenario. So it wasn't like a okay, this is a game-winning field goal. Okay, we have to get into the end zone. But he just marched him down the field. He got him a chip shot field goal, going to the half, three points free. And, you know, it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, what what can what can Derek do that that I think Jameis is not as adept at? And you saw Jameis struggle mightily in that drill. And he made a couple throws, and I was just like, why? That's You were at like the 32-yard line. You're in field goal range, but you just want to – at worst you want to make sure that you are giving your kicker the easiest kick possible and he went deep to kiki kuti and it missed he went deep down the right sideline and it missed and then he just threw it away gave blake groupie a 45 yard kick and, and he missed he it missed. And i was gonna say and then the kicker and, missed <laughs> yeah and so that that you know if put that in a real game scenario and suddenly you just lost three points on because you didn't execute that correctly. And so I think that's a, you know, he's Derek Carr has had a couple rough days of practice as he kind of works his way into this offense. But I think utilizing Kamara, utilizing Juwan Johnson, moving the ball effectively, getting in and out of the huddle. And those are the things that you see with Derek very like that are clearly I don't even want to say an upgrade. He's just good at it. Like you can see that he that that is something he is. He is strong with, and it's not a coincidence that he has all these fourth quarter comebacks because those are the moments that I think he steps up in. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this offense this year. And even though I won't see it until week four, I think Alvin's a big part of that. Yeah. And from what Dennis Allen said today after practice, the fact that we're, we're going to see Carr Sunday against the Chiefs, which to me makes total sense. You, we, we need to just get our, our starters there out in this limited preseason nowadays although they do have we, we kind of talked about it a little bit too uh besides the three preseason games not one but two joint practice sessions which i love seeing that unfortunately won't be out uh, out west you'll you'll be going out there to watch the ones against the chargers but definitely looking forward to the ones against the houston uh texans here just because of the amount of work you're able to get in and yeah it's not the same old reps against the same guys you see the competition really step up yeah, and and I think you, there's a chance you see the starters in week one. You don't see them week two or three because of right. that, because you have the those joint reps. Um, but yeah, Da did say that he wants to get the starters in there, and I I agree. I think you should try to get the starters in there. I think as far as Carr is concerned, as long as you have a healthy, as long as you have your starting offensive lineman available to protect him, he can go in there. If you do not, then he cannot. That well, is that, is that that might be a trick question because is you have Andrews as a starting James offensive is the lineman. Starter. Yeah, okay. no, James Kirk is the starter. And say, yeah. I'm perfectly fine putting him out there. But if you don't have Ryan, right? If you're not ready to get Ryan Ramchek in the game, if you're not ready to get Caesar Ruiz in the game, then no. You're not putting him out there and saying, yeah, okay, sure, go right, storm. Right. Yeah. yeah. But all right, we're we're gonna get into some more for players that we are expecting to see kind of compete in that first preseason game. We're gonna talk about the safeties and not even the starting safeties. We kind of know what to expect with them, but who are the guys behind them? Who are some of these depth guys? So we're going to dive into that and talk about Smoke Monday. Jordan Howden gets some exclusive audio at you. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. 
follow us on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. I don't care. At Saints underscore pod. That's the show. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Nowak. DM at Steve Geller, WWO, and the latest Saints content at WWL.com and 870FM1053 and always free on the Odyssey app. Stick around. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is going to be the safety segment. Do you feel safe, Steve? I do feel okay. safe. It's good to hear. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And we're we're going to talk about the safeties, but we're not necessarily going to talk about Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, because I think we know what to expect. It's one of the few positions on this roster that I don't think there is any question as to who the starters are. It doesn't matter. You were, you were starting Tyron Matthew, Marcus May. But what happens if Marcus May is unavailable? What happens if he gets suspended? What happens if Tyron Matthew gets hurt or misses a game for whatever reason? Who's going to go in? And I think it's a reasonable question. You have guys like Jonathan Abram, Lonnie Johnson Jr., veterans. But I think that when you look at it, it's going to end up being the younger safeties, the younger defensive backs who get the first shot at it. Because I don't think you want to cut Jordan Howden to keep a guy like Jonathan Abram around. I think you, you'd you like to keep Smoke Monday, if you could. I I think that, that Jordan is first in line, and, and we're going to go from there. But one of the things I was able to ask Dennis Allen this week is kind of just like, how why is it difficult to get on the field as a, as a rookie safety? And it is. The Saints actually did it a couple years back with Marcus Williams, and it went really well until it didn't. Until the worst moment, right? the worst tackle attempt you have ever seen in your life reared its ugly head at the worst possible time in Minnesota in the playoffs. And, you know, it's like I think everyone had forgotten that Marcus May, Marcus Williams, rather, was a rookie until that moment. And you're like, no. And so I think there is a learning curve. And it's a position that from going from college to the NFL, it is very different. You know, there's a lot of changes in communication and responsibilities. You know, the, the coverages are a lot more complex. The offenses you're going against aren't necessarily more complex, but the athletes are all better and they can all get over the top at all times. Um, and so I asked Dennis Allen, uh, we, well, Dennis Allen answered a few questions on this subject and I thought he gave some, some good insight. So uh, here you go. Still something could come about from Marcus May. Who would be that guy alongside Tyron? Is it Howden or? I think it's a good competition. 
you know, I, I don't think we're at the point where we've made up our mind on any of those spots, you know. You know, I think this is the, 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 the time of camp. Um, and as we get into preseason games where guys begin to separate themselves uh, a little bit, I think it's really good competition in that room. And um, I think it's, you know, the evaluation process takes time. So we're, we're not going to make any quick decisions. But I, I like the room. Does, has Jordan Howden put himself in that mix maybe even quicker than you expect? Yeah, look, I think all those guys are in the mix, you know. Um, Thanks. And we're evaluating everything they do um, on a daily basis. And he's done some good things. Um, there's still some things that you see where he's still a rookie. Uh, so he's still learning. Um, but he's he's uh, he's getting better every single day and, and coming out here and working. And um, so we'll just let the we'll let the evaluation process play out. I think Marcus Williams started as a rookie. I guess what are some of the challenges in taking at the safety position for a rookie, just like getting to the NFL level? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, operating in the passing game, um, you know, making sure you're putting your eyes in the right spot. Uh, because the difference in, in our league, I think, is is there's a lot more uh, intricacy in terms of the, the, the route combinations that you see, the ability of the quarterbacks to throw the football, uh, the receivers that you're going up against. So I, I would say, you know, that, that position – there's a lot of communication that goes on at that position. Uh, and so making sure, like, you're in charge of putting a lot of guys in the right spot when you play that position. And so uh, that's a challenge. And then, you know, being disciplined enough to do exactly what you're supposed to do on every single play because uh, in this league, when you don't, um, the offense takes advantage of it. Yeah, and I think he got into a few interesting things there. One being, you know, communication is very important and you have to trust that player to communicate and also understand what he's communicating, right? It's a do or die position in the sense that if you mess up at the, on the defensive front and, you know, you leave a gap, there's three or four other players that can come and fill that gap and, and prevent a big play. If you mess up on the back end and you're not where you're supposed to be, you know, you're setting up an 80-yard touchdown, right? So the consequences of not being right can be severe. So you have to trust that position. You have to trust that player. And I think that's part of the reason you've seen the Saints air toward bringing in veterans rather than you drafting and playing young guys and just hoping for the best. So, you know, I thought that was interesting. And he also brought up the, you know, you, you, the quarterbacks can get the ball out there. They can burn you a lot easier at the NFL level because <laughs> everyone can make that throw. So I think it is interesting. And so, you know, maybe that does skew a little bit toward the Smoke Monday, who has an extra year of experience. I don't know. All I, all I know is that Jordan Howden has been getting the kind of first team reps behind the Marcus Mays and the Tyron Matthews when one of those two guys misses a day for a rest day or whatever. He's been the guy who gets up there first. So I think that's a sign that they do like him. And it's just a question of can he come along fast enough? I think these preseason games are going to be really important for him. Yeah, you mentioned that the, the safety chart depth is pretty impressive. There might be some names that folks don't know, but, you know, with the Jonathan Abram, the Lonnie Johnson Jr., uh, you're talking about Jordan Howden. I didn't think that Howden would be considered for that initial role just because he he's the green guy. You know, Mr. The Rookie that doesn't have the experience where even like an Ugo Amadi has at least time in, the, in this league, but I guess 
that they're, like you mentioned, the trust issue. I guess they're trusting Jordan Howden or at least seeing if he can be that dude, I guess. JT Gray is also a guy that I think. Right, right. You know, they played at points last year. He's obviously not your first option, but if you just need somebody in a, in a pinch, I think he, he makes a lot of sense. We got, we got a chance to sit down when talk with Smoke Monday today. So let's listen to that interview. I think, you know, a lot of people are excited about Smoke. He's, he's, he's an intriguing guy. He can get downhill. He can be a thumper. I think he's more of a, of a, of a strong safety than a free safety. I think he's a guy that you can, that you can profile as, you know, a, a, a defensive back blitzer guy. He's been in the backfield a lot. In that regard, I think he has good instincts there. But uh, here's here's that interview with uh, Steve, Bobby, and Mike with uh, Mr. Monday. Uh, you had a bit of a redshirt year, obviously, last season due to injury. How's it feel coming into year two, and how you doing right now? Man, I'm doing good physically, mentally, man. You know, being out that year, I mean, it was kind of tough when I found, when I got the uh, when I got it. I had to have surgery, but you know, I had guys like Marcus May. Tyron, uh, Marshawn, Lattimore, you know, keeping keeping my hairs up. And, you know, with guys like that in the room, man, I I felt good to come back into my year two and ready to ball with those guys. And, uh, Smoke, when you say going into your your second year, do you feel now since you've been around the system mentally that you're on top of things considering, you know, that you're you're, it's a learning process, you're in the meetings and all that, but where you at? Uh, mentally, uh, you ready to roll and understand the concepts what they're doing, right? Definitely, I'm ready to roll. Uh, whichever, whatever he call, you know, I'm out there. I know my responsibility. Uh, and that's that's the biggest thing, man. That's that's the biggest thing that guys harp on in the room. Just make sure you know your job and everything will be fine. Smokey, you've always been no physical player, aggressive guy. The coverage part of the game, you've really worked at it yeah. to get a better, be a better cover guy. Yeah. Man, I've been working so hard at that, you know, coming out of college, a lot of guys, that was one of the biggest things, oh, can he cover, can he do this, you know. But like I said, I got guys like Marcus May giving me tips on on how to play off man versus receivers, tight end, anybody they put out there. So I'm just still, you know, I'm still learning, um, still getting better every day, and I feel like I've I got a whole lot better in that area of my Special game. Special teams, part of that. that. That'll be a big part of your game also. Definitely. I love special team, man. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's you only get one chance, you only get one shot at it. So I mean, Coach Riz is teaching us to go out and you know do what we do, go out and have swag, go out and play ball and play physical. And uh, smoke to get the coach's attention, and obviously they they film everything. And uh, yesterday you come up with a big interception. Today you almost had one. Is that something where you know making plays in the ball, you get the coach's attention just by? You're taking away the football, which is one thing we need to get better as a whole defensive unit, uh, which we did not do last year. Yeah, man. Uh, like Coach Coach D.A. coming to me room, uh, starting the uh, training camp, the biggest thing we needed to get better at was taking the ball away, and we emphasize that every single day, brother, if it's a top-down punch out, interception, any way we can get the ball, try to get the ball in our hands. Go back, 2019. LSU Auburn. I remember Coach Hope, man, it was a war out there with them guys. They, they gave him a great game. So your, your thoughts on that 2019 game, Joe Burrow and LSU going up against your defense, y'all were awesome that year. Man, going into that game, we knew that it was averaging about 40, 50 points a game. And I, man, I, I, we just thought, like, just slow them down. As much as we can slow them down, as, as we, we did, man, we went out and played three down linemen. Six DBs, and you know, the rest is history. They went on to win the national championship, won the season. But like I said, that was a great team. But we also had a great defense that year. 
Smoke, I'm always intrigued. Um, you know, I got a nickname, Cajun Cannon. Yeah. So, where are you get a nickname like Smoke? Uh, you know, I said, I, 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 I like that. Smoke Monday, Smoke Tuesday. You know, I, and then, I, had a, I had a feeling that was coming. Uh, <laughs> well, he was so excited when they signed you. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah smoke like, Monday. That, that, that's 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 that sounds like a movie. Yeah. What a great football name. So, um... Uh, my grandfather, when I was little, uh, I was I'm, I'm more of a, like a grandparents' baby. So okay. all my grandmas love me, all my granddads love me, and my dad, my dad, grandfather, great grandfather, he was he was one of the closest ones I was to, and I used to just be around him a lot, just run around the house a lot. So he just started calling me Smoke. So when he passed, when I was about 12, you know. I just use that to honor him, and okay. every day I hear that name, it makes me think of him, you know, to go out and grind and make him proud. Awesome. Uh, looking ahead, obviously, preseason action coming on Sunday. How looking, uh, much you looking forward to actual game action, I'm sure, uh, getting ready to hit another team besides your own dudes? You know, for me, the biggest thing I'm ready for is hitting. I'm ready, I'm ready <laughs> to hit. That's what I do, you know. I'm just ready to go out. And show show my physical physical capabilities, and also try to get the ball in my hands a couple of times. But I'm definitely definitely trying to hit somebody. Definitely uh, looking forward to seeing you and the rest of the team in action on Sunday. Appreciate the time. Smoke Monday. Good luck, and uh, have a great rest of camp too. Yes, sir. Thank you. He did get a pick today. He did. He did. <laughs> uh, no, not today. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. He got. A, he almost got one today. But either way, no. It, it was nice. He undercut a Jake Hayner pass. I think he was going to Kiki Kuti, maybe. It was, it was late in the day. Just trying to make something happen, and uh, Smoke made a good play on it. But no, I think, uh, if I recall correctly, he didn't play in a preseason game last year. I think he got oh, hurt right. early in camp. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's big for him. You know, even if he doesn't make this roster, getting on the field in the preseason and putting tape out there is valuable, right? One thing that you see these guys work out with teams and they, they do these workouts and they go for practice and whatnot. That tape isn't getting passed around. You're not making another team based on the tape you put down in practice because the Saints aren't sharing that. But they can't hide the preseason tape. If you go out there and you ball out, other teams get to see that. And then, you know, if they end up trying to stash you on the practice squad and someone else is like, no, we want them, they claim them and they go out there. And, you know, it's not great for the Saints if that happens, but... For a player who's just trying to make it in the league, that is invaluable. You don't get a lot of opportunities to put NFL tape on the on the table, and that is one of them. So I'm looking forward to seeing him out there. He is a guy who you root for. You know, he's a guy who can. He, he talks about he wants to hit somebody. He can hit. He can thump. Right. He's a big dude. So yeah, I think you know there's there's a there's a realistic. You know, you'd ideally like to see some higher profile names, but you know, I think there's a reasonable thing where you look maybe two three years down the road. Guys like Jordan Howard and Smoke Monday are both integral pieces in this Saints secondary uh you know kind of like a like a pj williams right like you know he ne- he kind of re- never really burst onto the scene but he was a valuable player for a long time now he's doing something i don't know maybe he went to back to tallahassee but i guess yeah. credit to da since he's a secondary guy but you look at the dbs and the safeties i feel like there really is solid depth up and down there well, especially when you bring in a Tyron Matthew and you say, we're going to fill everyone behind him. But I do like the idea that they have young guys learning from Tyron Matthew. Yes. It was the most annoying thing to me when Malcolm Jenkins retired and you could not point to a single safety on this roster who was better for playing with Malcolm Jenkins because Marcus Williams also left. So, you know, that, that, that drives brutal, me right? nuts. 
It drives me nuts when you have these veteran players who can't impart any wisdom whatsoever to the guys that are replacing them. And that's what happened there. But hey, it doesn't work all the time either. It, it just annoyed me to see to see Marcus Williams leave, Malcolm Jenkins retire, and then be like, "Well, I guess we're going out and signing people because we have not been we have not been developing anybody at that position." Yeah. No, you know, sadly, you know, you mentioned obviously Marcus Williams, Avon Bell. They they drafted decent at the spot, but just they didn't re-sign the dudes. Yeah, Vaccaro was fine too. Like they draft well at safety. They just don't they don't pay it at safety unless you get old and then they pay you. I don't know. It's weird. But you know, if I if I was handicapping it today, I would say Smoke Monday is a practice squad guy and, and Jordan Howden sneaks in on the final cut. Um, I did put up an updated roster projection today. Okay. You can check that out at WWL.com. And that's what I had. I have Jordan Howden on there. Because I think at this point in the in the preseason you're leaning toward draft picks because you don't want to, you don't want to cut your draft picks, right? Like someone said, we want this guy, we're going to draft him. And and then cutting them is like, well, we screwed up, right? We're not even going to give him a chance. We screwed up or you, or, you know, it doesn't always mean that sometimes it means you really found a great UDFA. You just don't have space for him. But if it's a tie, it's going to go to the draft pick, right? You're never going to be like, well, yeah. Anyway. So I think that's where in my projection, I have out in there, because I think you're you're going to give him a shot. And these next three games, these preseason games, are going to be a hugely important for that position. And you might end up seeing that, oh, well, Jonathan Abram, we haven't really been talking about him, but man, he yeah. looks good. Maybe he steals that spot, a veteran, and you kind of go. But for now, that's where I have it. And I can tell you my, my DB uh, depth chart here. I'm just curious. So, do you have Abram or Ugo? I have Ugo on there because uh, I think he's your backup slot. I also have Lonnie Johnson Jr. on there, a guy who did get an interception today. Yes, that was the one. And the pick. we haven't really talked about Lonnie Johnson that much. I think his versatility is going to be a huge part in why the Saints want to keep him around. You saw them keep around P.J. Williams. They don't keep around P.J. Williams if he does not have that cross-positional flexibility. If P.J. Williams is a cornerback, he's not sticking around for five seasons, but I think Dennis Allen is obsessed with cross-positional flexibility. And, you know, he's not wrong. I think it is valuable because it allows you to maybe slim the numbers down when you don't have to keep an extra safety and an extra cornerback, you can just keep one. <laughs> um, and so I think he's a guy who makes a lot of sense. And that's probably the roster spot that if Smoke Monday steals one, it's that one. But I do, I just like the, I like the extra cornerback there because if you get into a bind and you lose a couple corners, right? If, if, if two of your corners are out with injuries and suddenly you have to go to one, are you going to take Bradley out of the slot and move him outside? I'd rather not. I'd rather only have one guy playing out of position if I can avoid it. And so it's like, okay, Lonnie, go out there, see what you got. And because otherwise you have Bradley going outside a position he hasn't played a lot of, and then Ugo going into the slot, so you have a backup. And it's kind of like when you lose your center and they move Caesar over rather than – so that's where I have it right now. But obviously Marshawn, Paulson, Alante, Bradley, Ugo Amati, Lonnie Johnson Jr., then Tyron Matthew, Marcus May – Jordan Howden and JT Gray is that that 10 defensive backs, which is usually the number you could theoretically add another one and maybe lose a fullback. I do have a fullback on here. So there is kind of a built in free space that I, if I ever, if I want to keep anybody specific, I can always just cut the fullback and add that name. But I am only keeping eight offensive linemen, which is not enough. 
I don't have a backup center on there. It's kind of how I cheated my way into into keeping some guys that I probably should have cut. But yeah, I think that's going to be the question: is 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 can Smoke do enough to outshine a Lonnie Johnson? Yeah, that whole like I said, that secondary group is very intriguing because obviously we've written down names like a uh, a Troy Pride, uh, Anthony Johnson, even too Yadam. Yeah. There's, there's still a lot of depth there, and it's going to be interesting to see who they're able to even hold on to just on the practice squad even or who ends up getting you know a chance with another team somewhere. All three of those guys you named have played well enough to make a roster. Right. Like if, if this was not the deepest cornerback group I've ever seen the Saints have, you would be looking at an Anthony Johnson and saying, how do we cut this guy? But the numbers are going to make it difficult. And if I had to handicap them, I would say Anthony Johnson, Isaac Yadam, Troy Pride. But they're both, they're all very close. They've all played very well. I just think Anthony Johnson's upside. He has the size, he has the build. Uh, he's he's very confident. DA has talked, he, he's braved about him a little bit. And so, yeah. Uh, but no, you, you make a good point. Like, this is a very deep group. If you could stash all three of those guys on the practice squad, you'd feel great about it. One thing that I didn't mention in the open was the Alvin Kamara suspension is interesting because you can elevate guys three times. And that's why getting onto a practice squad now with these new kind of rules in place is a much different scenario than it used to be. So like you don't have to necessarily keep your fourth running back on the roster. You can just keep them on the practice squad and elevate them the first three weeks of the season. And now I don't think a guy like Kareem Hunt is going to be satisfied with that scenario. But if you want to do that with a Kirk Merritt. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting because you do have the option to get guys on the practice squad and get them into games. So uh, if, if you can keep those guys around, it's going to be valuable down the stretch of the season because injuries always happen. No, that's actually uh, good that you mentioned even Kirk Merritt. I don't know if we brought up the fact that he did leave practice early on Monday. Not much information was given on what exactly he's dealing with. But um, even more of a reason, I guess, you want another running back in to work out just because, uh, yeah, numbers are starting to get a little thin as we head into the first preseason game at, the, at running back, obviously. Yeah, running back, wide receiver. There's going to be plenty of time for these guys to make an impact. But let's end that segment there. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the defensive end battle and some other roster battles that have been going on. Just kind of update where they are at to close out this episode and then you know obviously we have a preseason game coming up so we'll dive into that a lot more in the next episode but i just want to kind of reset where we are at with some of the roster battles we talked about heading into the preseason but all right this is inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he's steve geller keep it locked here This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. 
the ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations, icon of the seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're back. One more segment on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to get into some roster battles, kind of reset prior to the week one preseason game on where things stand, what we have seen thus far. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. And, you know, one of the bigger roster battles that we talked about and we have been talking about is that way because it's a starting position, right? And anytime you're having a roster battle for a starting job, it gets a little intense. And we've seen Peyton Turner, we've seen Carl Granderson kind of go back and forth. Peyton Turner was getting the first team reps to start camp. I think Carl has maybe taken over a bit of that over the last couple practices. I don't know if it's, you know, you're not necessarily going one, two. I think they're just kind of switching in and out and getting different matchups and seeing how, how things play out. But it's, it's been good to watch. And what I will say is that both have looked good. What you don't want to see in a roster battle is one guy looks okay. And the other guy just looks like he's in shambles or is hurt and can't get out there. And in this case, I'm I, Peyton Turner has not missed a practice yet, which is notable in and of itself because he's a guy who has struggled to get on the field consistently. And I don't think Carl Granderson he, he might have missed one day, but he's been he's been there for the majority of these camp practices too. And you know, I think if it's a rotation, it, like it's not a big deal. Like you don't need to be the starter to make an impact. But having two viable guys that you can that you can rotate in there, I think the the Saints are in good position. Granderson is definitely a guy I'm excited about just because we've seen his growth every single year has been steady. Like you mentioned, too, training camp has been really solid for him. Blew up another run play I saw today, and I, I just think he's got some really good pass rush moves on him. Uh, anxious to see that growth even more into this year. Uh, Peyton Turner was someone we've been hard on obviously going into this season because of his limited availability but has definitely been someone that yeah has risen to the occasion this camp it it has been that competition there there hasn't been the one-sided oh well this is grandy's job right now and peyton turner looks lost no it's been very much i feel like neck and neck and uh one that you, i guess we're going to ca- kind of find out who's going to be that dude come you know a preseason game scenario since it is you know, your your live game settings kind of deal. And I guess those joint practices too, because so far in training camp, it really has been even between Granderson and Turner for me. Let's go out there and try to play hard and um, just try to have a motor. Um, try to go every play 100 miles per hour, not stay on blocks, get off blocks, and, um, you know, win with technique. Um, that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to focus on right now on this uh, technique and um, continue continue to just to have that mindset just to come out and uh, destroy my opponents so um, speed comes with it 
I'm a little shifty too, but uh, my number one thing is stopping the run so we could have some fun. That's their it, catchphrase. It's that little jab too I love in there that he puts in of, I, I'm, I'm my goal, you know, destroy my opponents. I want to hear that from my defenders. <laughs> yeah, I want them in pieces on the ground in, in, in front of me. So that was Carl Granderson, you know, the the former Wyoming Vandal? No, what is no. Wyoming? Idaho is the well, Vandals. Wyoming, I got to look it up. Bobby would know. Former Wyoming Cowboy, Carl Granderson. Makes sense. You know, these guys, one of the interesting things when you talk about NFL players coming into the, or college players transitioning to the NFL at the end positions, is I think that, there is an optimal playing weight for everybody, but you don't necessarily know what it is. These first the first couple of years, they kind of fluctuate a little bit. Peyton Turner said he came in to the league at 270. Last year, he was playing at about 287, and he found that that was too heavy. It was not the right weight for him. He slimmed down to about 278 in that range. And I think that that's something that, you, you know, you kind of figure it out. Chris Olave gained some weight this offseason, put on some muscle. That's something that I think it takes, a, it, sometimes it takes a couple of years to kind of sort out. And one thing that everyone says about Peyton Turner, and you can see it in flashes, is he's very quick off the line. He's, for a big guy, he gets on you right away. And I think that speed is something that you don't want to sacrifice with some extra bulk. Because 287 for an end is heavy. I mean, even 270 for an end is is heavy, you know. So he's not a speed rusher. He's he's built like a power rusher. But if you can marry that, uh, it's interesting. And we, Peyton Turner talked a bit today about you know just being healthy, right? Because it's just something that we haven't had. Oh, I feel good. I feel that I've been really just focused on technique and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my pass rush has been going uh, better than this time last year. Because I also part of that's just me having a healthy offseason being able to practice that throughout the offseason and come in here and apply some of that so um i feel like it's been going well you feel like you've taken a step forward i do i do um i think we're really competitive across the board and uh, that i mean i've just been playing playing well definitely for me the first time we're, we're really hearing uh peyton turner with that confidence when he speaks too yeah i, I mean i i think when you play two games or i'm sorry 10 games over two seasons it's it starts to be a mental thing, sure. um, a lot more than a physical thing, and we've just haven't seen him be consistently available. And when he has been available, we haven't seen him be consistently productive. He had two sacks in one game last year. That's a that's a sack and a half more than Marcus Davenport had over the entire season. Ouch. So that position has been kind of a black hole in terms of production, and it hurts Cam across the way, like when. You can single that guy and win. The guy opposite Cam, that means you can double Cam or double an interior lineman to create holes in the running game. And that's a big advantage to the offense. Your one-on-one players have to be able to win. And so hopefully hopefully that can happen. But I, if I was handicapping it right now, I would say that Carl Granderson is probably the starter. But you're going to see a lot of Peyton Turner reps. You're going to see... That rotation happened a lot. You're going to see a lot of NASCAR packages where the ends shift inside and the passing situations. They've been working on that a good bit this offseason. Um, and so, like, and, and again, I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily need Peyton Turner to start, but I do need him to get reps and to be available in big situations, particularly pass rush situations, um, because I think Carl Granderson is a better run player than Peyton is. So I'm okay with him being in there on early downs, but I want Peyton getting after the quarterback. Um, and so 
That's that's what I want to see in these first couple preseason games is, okay, let's see you in the backfield. Let's see you win some of these sets against the second stringers from the Chiefs, right? Yeah, the, the one thing, too, we're going to be looking for, I think, in this preseason game is, hello, Isaiah Foskey, where are you? Are, are you anywhere to be found? Um, it's It's been a rough go this early uh, on in training camp. And, you know, it's almost like a joke now every day. It's like, you know, did you write down Foskey's name at all? Nope. Right. Yeah, he, he's just just a non-factor right now. And, you know, I haven't heard many people complaining about it because I don't think they even know. Like it's it, when you make mistakes and you and you screw up yeah. and you get kind of noticed. He hasn't done that. So I guess you could say that like you haven't noticed any major gaffes or blunders. But that's really not what we're looking for right now. <laughs> we're looking for impact players. And yeah, he just hasn't he hasn't been that. Um, but. One one more position battle we can get into. Actually, let's let's talk about the two position battles that I think are pretty much settled right now. Okay. Will Lutz is your starting kicker. Um <laughs> I like Blake Grippy looks great. Uh he hit from 59 today. He went nine of ten, but he did miss the one kind of pressure kick that he had, which which was the one that would have made Jameis Winston's two-minute drill look a lot better than it, than it was because it would have been the same result as Derek Carr's, even though his was a chip shot. But he missed that one. And that's not a good look when my biggest concern about moving on from Will for the sake of the young guy is I trust Will in pressure situations, and I don't know if I trust Blake in pressure situations. And he has the leg, but it's he doesn't have more leg than Will. I, we saw Will hit from 62 yesterday with room to spare outside. I watched Blake hit from 59 today, kind of limped over. He made it. It was a good kick. But it's like, where where is the difference being had there? And I don't know if it exists. I think Blake could be an NFL kicker. I just don't think he's going to be your starter for the Saints. No, I'm just hoping that all the other teams don't, you know, have a, a bead on him and bring him in if they need a kicker and it's someone that, you know, the doomsday scenario of uh, Lutz gets hurt and they can, you know, short list of names that groupies on that they can, they can pull him back in. But I definitely impressed with the kid because as you know, it's just so small in stature, but still able to generate those, you know, a decent amount of uh, length on those kicks. But he, like you did, you said he did pull up short in that, what was it, a 45, 46 yarder? It wasn't short. Uh, wide on that, but he was, oh, he just cleared something though. He made another, it from 59. Yeah, 59. He, it was just yeah. barely over kind he of. It got deal. over. It was right. not over by a lot, but it got over. Um, and he missed wide right from 44. Um, this, these were indoors. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I hope he doesn't get a job. If, if the team shows up and wants to claim him, Good for him. Like that's I don't think the Saints are gonna try to hide him from the world because I I don't think Will Lutz is on his last legs either. Like there's a scenario where he kicks for four or five more seasons and you're like, okay, well that, that was a fun offseason with Blake. Like it's like the, the the Ravens aren't disappointed that they still have Justin Tucker, right? Um, so I, I don't know. The other one is Blake Gillikin and Lou Headley, which uh I still think is 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 a is a competition. Um, we haven't really seen a lot from Headley. He hasn't kicked a ton, and you've seen a couple days of, of Blake Gillikin kicking well. I think that he probably has that job. We're going to see in the preseason. I'd like to see Lou, uh, Lou boom some kicks, 
but I think it's it's Blake's job to lose, and uh, and we'll see. But those those two position battles, I don't think are much of a battle. I it, 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 those guys would have had to really fall on their face, Blake and and Will, to turn that into something, and I, I don't see that happening. No, and, and you know you mentioned with Lutz, obviously he had an injury two years ago, uh, looked to be you know, back last season, but there were times we saw him struggle with the intermediate intermediate kicks. And yeah, obviously that's just, that's not acceptable no, no matter what. Yeah. And, and that's going to be something and he talked about that in the, in his interview, uh, I think yesterday and yeah, he's aware of that. Uh, right. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, we'll see like, but you know, it's not like you're talking about a structural problem. You're not talking about a, a length problem in terms of he's still got the leg. If you can make it from 62 at any point, I'm not concerned about your leg strength. Um, and so that's what we have. But let's move on. So the, the the last position battle we'll talk about is the biggest position battle that everyone's excited about, which is Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor. Both guys have been really fun to watch. Both have been very physical, especially in the 1v1 reps. Alante Taylor and Chris Olave have gone back and forth. What you can say is Chris Olave has made some really incredible catches. He had a really... Great highlight today going up over Alante. Basically caught it on top of his helmet. Um, he had a one-handed catch in 1v1s the other day. Alante Taylor actually had an interception on one of those reps. What I will say is even those two catches by Alave, Alante basically forced an incredible catch. And if you're a defensive back and the only catch that can beat you is a crazy one-handed grab or you know some insane contested catch, then you you at least can say you controlled that rep. And sometimes good offense beats good defense. But I think both guys have looked good. Adebo, I think, is still kind of the physical guy that you you see him hold up against a Mike Thomas a little better um, because he's just able to be more physical at the point of the, at the point of the catch. And you know maybe there's some there's some illegal contact happening. Maybe there's some pi happening. But that's that's going to be across the board. Um, and uh, you know I think it's going to go down to the to the preseason games. I think. You're going to see Marshawn in this first game, at least based on what Dennis Allen said. But then I think for uh, week two, week three, you're going to get, you know, Paulson on one side, Alante on the other, and you're going to kind of weigh what you see from them and go from there. I still, I'm still leading toward uh, Paulson. I haven't seen anything thus far that's going to change that for me. Um, but I, again, it's like you're looking at it and saying both of these guys could start and play well. And so you're not going to be upset if, you're you're starting the third year guy over the second year guy, and I'm sure there's going to obviously be op, uh, opportunities for them to be on the field together, kind of thing. But it's like, how do you keep everybody happy in that corner room? I, I mean, I, you're not guaranteed a starting job. Like they know this, and uh, you know, you say everybody, but you have three of the four on the field. So right, right. I mean, I I don't I don't think that that's that's something you're super concerned about, and. You know, we we all saw what happened last year. It like the odds that you even get through three weeks without at least one injury are slim, let alone go at the entire season without it. So like even if even even in game, like some guy gets rolled up on and suddenly you need a replacement, like you have to have that guy. And I don't think Alante is the type to sit in the corner and pout because he's not that guy. So I'm not I'm not worried about that. He'll have his time, he'll have his moment. But, but again, you know, he hasn't lost that job. I, I think he could still go out and win that job. I just think he's, you know, Paulson is, is, is slightly ahead. But, you know, they, they've both looked good. That's the thing. And, and I can't stress that enough is like 
you're, you're picking two good options. You're picking between two good options here. And uh, I think when you see Alante, there have been points where he gets lost in coverage a little bit. And, and I think it's, it's tough to gauge. It's tough because I think you're, you're kind of working with new pieces and you're trying to, trying to f- find your way. But there have been a couple times that you've seen him get kind of turned around. And, and I don't know, like everyone has those moments. I think, I think that's where I'm at with it. And I definitely want to see, uh, obviously, the takeaways, the interceptions from yeah. both of them instead of just passes defensed. You know, we, want, we need to see uh, holding in those interceptions and, and causing the turnover. Please complete it. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a single interception by either of them. I don't think I've seen an interception by Marshawn either. I think we've gotten interceptions by – oh, no, I'm sorry. We did get one from Alante in in the 1v1s, but those are tough. Like, I don't even consider those real interceptions for the quarterbacks either. Just the team like, drills, right. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's a lot easier to get an interception when you know the ball is coming. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, the ball has to come out. So it's kind of a – like, it's still a great play, and you give them credit for it. But I'm not going to – I'm not going to say that's technically an interception because in a game you're not running a running a route or defending a route saying okay the ball's definitely coming so when he comes out of his break I'm ready for any anyway. but yeah we haven't seen that you know the, the, that's that's something that concerned me last year and still concerns me is like I don't see this team coming up with a ton of interceptions and maybe it's good quarterback play right like maybe you can say wow Derek Carr has really protected the ball but. Um, after last year and we saw the lack of turnovers, it's hard to, it's hard to, to lean on that as the, uh, as, as the culprit. No, even, I forget who it was the other day. There was a tip ball and once again, it falls to the ground. Nobody even near it. And it's like, what the heck? Why can't we get any of these? And it seems like Taran Matthew might be the only dude that seems to be in place to get a tip ball interception. Everyone else doesn't seem to be there. I don't know. It's really frustrating because you kind of see it hanging up in the air and you figure someone's about to come in and snatch it and it just doesn't happen. Not like it's it's something that's constantly a factor, but it just seems if there is a tip ball, for the most part, I'll say like eight or eight out of ten times, the Saints ain't coming up with it. No, that that sounds that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I think Alante does a better job of setting up interceptions than Paulson. So if you're looking for for a a a point of difference between them. And and Alante didn't come down with them last year either. But he created the opportunities for them and he drove on them and he just couldn't corral them. One of them he did and it was wiped out by a penalty that happened behind him that had nothing to do with the play. So like you can't put that on him. One of them he caught going out of bounds, and they caught they they overturned it on review, saying, you know, what is a catch, <laughs> whatever. No, but he did have those opportunities, and he created those opportunities. So you give him credit for that. Um, but yeah, I I think that's going to be something to watch. Both of those position battles are going to be fun to watch in the preseason, and we're going to get into more about the preseason in the next episode of the week. I'm not going to do an episode where we kind of break down my whole roster projection because i'm going to redo it on monday after the preseason game (laughs) and we can go through it then but i would like to do a mailbag later this week so keep an eye out for that maybe thursday the timing becomes difficult because don't they have a later practice or is that next week no i think that yeah that's next week yeah that is so so maybe i'll be able to do a mailbag sometime thursday afternoon so keep an eye out for that 
we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get it done. We'll get it done. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Hope you learned something. It's hot. I'm sweating in my house. And uh, we're, we're going to keep this coming at you. The Saints are off on Tuesday, so there will be no Saints camp content. But I'll be able to at least catch up on some of these interviews that have been rolling in like hotcakes. Yeah, just to, to take a breather away. I mean, obviously, we're not going through it like these players are. But yeah, train, the, the grind of training camp continues for the media too it's uh just to to stay on top of like you said we get to talk to x amount of players every day and to sometimes you miss some of those nuggets and it, it's definitely worth going over it again yeah especially after being outside in the sun for an hour and then having to go inside and pretend to be coherent is not um, <laughs> and not, not thinking about lunch <laughs> not my strong suit let's put it that way it's not something i'm particularly good at as you can probably tell, I'm like exhausted. Like I, I probably sound exhausted because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, so frazzled. But we'll get we'll get through it. It's uh, it's like this every year. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, as they say. Yeah, that's a great Dennis Allen Dennis Allen line to really get you motivated. Just There's put your no head down and grind, right? Tunnel. It is pitch black. Just keep walking, <laughs> even though you don't know if it ever ends. Anyway, that's uh, words to live by. But all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Inside Black and Gold. It's been fun. As always, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Him at Steve Geller WWL and on Twitter at Saints underscore pod. If you have anything you'd like us to talk about on the show, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are open. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get into it. Saints, Chiefs on Sunday. We'll have an episode later in the week. Getting a bit into more preview on that. I don't really care about the Chiefs, so I'm not going to spend one iota of time coming up with information to share with you about the Kansas City Chiefs preseason lineup. But so if you're looking for that podcast, go find it somewhere Somewhere else. else. (laughs) I am always excited, though, to be back in Dome Sweet Dome. I love the Superdome. Um, And even if it is just preseason, it is still football. Uh, Guys are competing for jobs. So I am I am excited for it. As everyone, you know, usually complains, preseason football stinks. I, I I still think it, it has value, obviously. Yeah, and I'll be on the sidelines, so that'll be fun. Always fun. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Who dat? Go Saints. Peace. See you in the dome. <laughs>